Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life. And today I have Roger Miller with me, who is a MFA student at the Savannah College of Art and Design studying animation. Hi Roger, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well, how are you? Great, great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be interviewed because I know you are super busy um, getting settled and the quarter starts tomorrow. It does. <laughs> I know it's funny because you were like, uh, last class uh the question was about how many days and you said that you knew exactly like it was like 12 days it was 11 days oh 11 day, day 11 and okay. <laughs> i forgot that we were starting school again so soon so i had a panic um yesterday we were like oh i have to buy i have to buy books i have to get i have to like get ready to go back to school um but i appreciate you uh having me on i'm looking forward to it Oh, you were one of, I mean, the class was wonderful. I took that animation class with you for those who are listening and um, everybody was so nice. And I appreciated that with everything that you were doing, like moving and the quarter finals and you were like sending me some helpful um, videos and things with stop motion. That was so kind of you. Of course, I'm always happy to, you know, help the you know, we'll talk about it, I guess, but I am up to this point, mostly self-taught. And wow. I found that, you know, YouTube is such a great resource and it's um, just going back and, and looking at some of the stuff I, I really enjoyed as a kid, uh, that Terry Gilliam video I sent you specifically. Um, you know, I grew up watching Monty Python. And so when it came time to, uh, I, I became interested in doing, uh, cut paper stop motion animation i went back to to you know those old cartoons and and found that that like how to video that he made and um found it really helpful and so i, I i'm happy to share that with uh you know anybody who will who will ask because um it's it's so cool uh and particularly with that video he did that i think for bbc um and it probably aired one time and you know it's it's on a on a videotape somewhere but thanks to youtube it's just so easy to get to and um i, I think that's really cool oh i totally agree um and but can you tell the audience a little bit more about your background and about yourself because you have some really cool stuff on your website and i can tell you've done a lot so i'd be sure that with us. <laughs> um so i guess uh I am originally from Colorado. Uh, I grew up in a tiny mountain town uh, west of Colorado Springs and uh, was actually originally a theater kid. Um, so I went to my undergrad at Colorado State University uh, and I got a theater degree. Um, and after a bit of time, uh, moved to New York with kind of the aspirations of becoming like, you know, uh, an actor or getting paid to act or direct or things like that. Um, and what I found instead was I sort of fell into illustrating an animation um, almost entirely by accident um, where I had a friend who worked in projection design and theater and he would kind of toss me little projects every once in a while if he uh, either needed help or was um, 
you know, knew that because he knew that I was interested in uh, illustration a little bit, but it was never something I had really taken seriously. Um, but then in it was end of twenty sixteen because this was right after um, right after the election, and feeling a little unmoored and uh, sad, uh, we. Uh, I got word that these same friends were in um, uh, North Adams, Massachusetts, working on uh, content for the, the magnetic fields, um, which was where that, um, that quotes video came from. Basically, they had to put together, uh, it was like 46 uh, video packages for the 50 song memoir uh, album that they did. Um, and they took that on tour and I got to work on a couple of projects for them, but that really got me started with like doing some of this illustration and animation more seriously. And, um, let's see, after that, I, I worked with them on and off, um, just on different projects, but then they, um, brought me on board when they got the contract to work on Be More Chill, um, and they, we worked on it originally off Broadway and then on Broadway when it uh, made the transition. So I got to do some video content um, for them, which was very cool. Mm -hmm. And through them, uh, I made a connection and do occasional videos for this group called the 8-Bit Big Band, um, who turned video game music into um, arranged big band orchestra stuff. So I've done a couple of videos for them. And around that same time, I realized that um, if I wanted to continue to grow and continue uh, to grow in animation specifically, that I should, that I, I figured the best option was to get a more formal education. And so now I'm uh, here at SCAD. Uh, in my second year now, I guess it's my second year now um, in the MFA program. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Oh, cool. And I have um, high school students because I was teaching high school art before I went to get my MFA full time. And they, um, there were some theater kids who loved Be More Chill. And I heard about that from them. They would totally geek out over that that you did this, they would, they would be like, oh, that is so cool. And it is really cool animation too. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing that you did all this and that you just kind of like, just went for it. You're just like, I'm just gonna do it. It really is. Um, like I said, I tell people all the time, it, it often feels like an accident <laughs> where, where I've kind of come and gone through my career, um, you know, thus far. Um, but it's, I've been really fortunate. Um, and I think I, I tend to try to um, keep really creative people around me. And so uh, I think it's kind of a numbers game at that point where somebody, somebody will be working on something cool. And um, as far as the, the be more chill, it's funny, because, you know, I'll, I'll tell people that sometimes and, and they'll be like, oh my gosh. And, and they'll have questions for me about the show. And, and I'm like, I, I was uh, hired by someone hired by someone else. So I couldn't tell you, you know, what, what George Salazar's breath smells like or anything <laughs> like that. But, um, uh, but it was really cool being in the theater space while they were, while they were working and, and getting that opportunity was really neat. Um, and same with the magnetic fields too, their tour, um, 
came to New York. And so uh, I got to see some of my stuff at the Apollo, which was like, uh, it was great. That was mind blowing. Uh, and again, just, it completely feels like an accident. <laughs> so. oh, you're so humble, Roger. You're, and you're such a nice guy too. I mean, that grouping, I mean, and I'm not an animation major for those who are listening, but they were so nice in the um, class that we were in and everybody was like super encouraging. I felt like um, you guys in animation, you guys do a great job networking. You guys were like, oh, what's your Instagram? What's your LinkedIn? They're all like connecting. And I, I just thought it was very welcoming. Sure, I think, um, I think that kind of, um that kind of attitude lends itself almost to animation because if you have done any animating, you know that it is uh, tedious and difficult and uh, and it really, you're just kind of going with the flow and you're, you, you kind of have to give up a lot of control. But I think everyone going through that experience, it's almost like a shared trauma almost in a way where they see, uh, you know, if they see somebody who is either learning or trying to um, figure some things out, they're happy to share stuff that made it easier for them or that, so that the next person doesn't have to learn things quite so hard. And I think that, um, I don't know, I, I think that because of that, that's part of the reason we're not still working on, uh, you know, pencil and paper most of the time. And why some of these programs are the way they are because they speak to this collaborative uh, effort that is any animation. Wonderful. And so you you were in New York and then so you were deciding you wanted to explore um, getting more um, knowledge about animation so um, and in graduate school. So why did you choose SCAD? Because um, there are, you know, just out of curiosity because there's other animation um, graduate programs out there and sure and there's some in New York too yeah. um, I would say the answer to that is maybe threefold okay. um, firstly SCAD has a um, from everything I could tell and can you know still tell being in the program SCAD has a um, very good reputation among animators and I know that part of the draw of SCAD was um in the sort of career side once I'm through, because um, I know that they network nearby Atlanta um, and a lot of animation houses are there. You've got, um, yeah, I'm gonna, of course gonna blank on all of them, uh, but you got Cartoon Network over there and you have Titmouse and you have um, just a whole bunch, uh, Bento Box now I think has a, uh, in Floyd County. So there's a lot of animation happening in Atlanta. So I thought it was, it would behoove me to be close to that. Um, the second is um, that I knew that if I stayed in New York to do New York school, knowing my personality, I wouldn't have taken it as seriously as if I kind of uprooted and came all the way down to the South in order to do this thing. Um, because I knew I wanted to take it seriously. And I knew that just um, living in New York is a, it's more than full-time, uh, especially if you're like I was doing working odd gigs and um, 
I was doing a lot of events work and stuff while I was doing some of this animation stuff. Um, so I wanted to be in an environment um, that was less challenging in order to focus more on the work. Um, and I said threefold, but I, I can't remember the third now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it, was, it must have been a bit of a, I mean, had you lived in the South prior to this? Or? Never, no. Um, so we, so I moved down here with, um, with my girlfriend. Um, she, uh, she moved down here with me and she was born in Georgia, but moved when she was very young. So it was kind of a new environment for the both of us. And, um, we love it. Being in Savannah is great. Um, we really love the, it, it's got like city feel, but not, it's not so big and bustling as like in New York or LA. Um, and with the food, we love the food scene. So we, we've been really happy to be here. Um, and there's cool stuff happening in Georgia with, you know, the last, I don't, you know, obviously we haven't talked politics or anything, but I was so happy to see Georgia flip blue this past election and uh, being able to be part of that was very exciting for both of us. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're loving Georgia um, is the long and short of it. So do you, it obviously from looking at what I saw your website, you probably prefer 2D versus 3D? Yes, I, I do. Um, I find, um, I know that 3D is probably where I'm more likely to um, be like, quote unquote, commercially successful or um, most films made nowadays are 3D. Um, but I just don't find it as interesting. Um, I think in thinking about my thesis, um, something I think I want to do is work in a program called Blender. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's kind of a freeware version of, of Maya, but they've been working on a three, uh, 2D uh, grease pencil tool so that you can animate in 2D in 3D scenes and spaces. Um, so I'm interested in that and I'm interested in trying to find a way to maybe merge the two, uh, in a, um, I don't know, more, more interesting way than, than I tend to think 3d is, is used. I feel like, uh, in a lot of, uh, commercial products, not, um, not Pixar necessarily. Pixar is always, I know their philosophy is every time that they go into a film, they want to find some new technological hurdle to, to, to break down or skip over. Um, but a lot of like the, the other big studios, it feels very like default choice to do 3D or because it's cheaper to do. Um, so I'm interested in, in finding ways to make it more interesting than that if I work in 3D. Gotcha, cool. And I noticed that you were using um, different, so everybody was using different software in class for their animation projects. Mm -hmm. um, what were you using, Roger, for your work? So I used um, Toon Boom Harmony okay. through, through the class, which is um, Toon Boom Harmony and uh, Adobe Animate seem to be the two uh, kind of industry standard ones. I know some people use uh, TV paint as well, um, but I don't think that we, 
through SCAD don't have um, licenses for it. So I haven't been able to work with it. So I picked uh, Toon Boom Harmony for this class because it was, uh, I've spent the last kind of year and a half getting familiar with it. And I think it's an awesome software for, for animation, especially um, the hand-drawn kind of stuff that we were doing this quarter. Um, so if it's, it, it's one of those things where the, the, so to back up to part of the reason I'm interested in looking at Blender specifically for my thesis is because I really like that it's this powerful software that is free and open source. Um, it's a huge bummer to me that uh, programs like Toon Boom Harmony and things like that are behind like a $1,200 paywall. And so it makes it difficult for people who are curious or interested uh, kind of jump in and and um, try stuff out. So I guess if, since we're possibly talking to um, uh, art students and if anyone's interested in animating, uh, I did a few projects in a program called OpenTunes, which um, is a full suite 2D animation software, and that's free to download. And it's a little uh, a little buggy, but it gets the job done. And I think it's a, a great tool for people who are interested in kind of uh, dipping their toe in without the, the commitment of such a huge uh, entry price. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause I looked in at one point um, getting educational licensing in my classroom for Toon Boom. And I was like, whoa, how mm -hmm. much for a year? I was like, uh, we can't afford this. <laughs> so um, I ended up doing Adobe um, Animate actually. That was one of the things that we ended up falling back on cause we already mm -hmm. got like Photoshop and all that. So it was kind of like, oh, well, we'll just do this <laughs> because yeah. it comes with the package. Yeah. So. And Animate's great too. Um, they have some really cool tools for um, puppet animation, which was one of the one of the classes I've taken so far. Was in um, Adobe uh, Animate uh, and and doing it as as puppet animation. So you draw out all of your poses of your character, and then you can drag them into any scene and animate it that way, and sort of um, save time in the animation process, if not the um, actually drawing everything process. Gotcha. So any tips for newbie animators or high school students that want to learn animation that you would recommend? Sure. Um, I will tell them uh, what I did when I was like, this is something I'm interested in. Um, I, you know, I just Googled uh, animation books at first and uh, found the Animation Survival Kit, which is a book, a uh, book by Richard Williams, who was the, among many things, he was the animation director for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And it's this huge book um, that breaks everything down from like, kind of starting with here's how we make a, a you know, everyone starts with the bouncing ball, you know, here's how we get this ball moved from point A to point B. And then you He's got a whole big section in there on walk cycles and how people move and how to make that look realistic and what rules you're breaking in traditional drawing and um, why that's okay and things things like that. I and I basically read the thing cover to cover. Um, uh, 
so that would be that would be my like start there and then if nothing else you know get sheets of paper you can get animation paper super cheap at, at blick um for example uh and just draw stuff just just you know, even if you want to make a funny face into a different funny face. And I think the best way to learn is to do uh, when you're animating, um, because you can read uh, theory and you can you can watch cartoons and wonder how they do it. But the best way is just to sit down and and, and do it. Um, so that would be my advice. That's great. Yeah, because I learned very quickly in animation class. I was like, this is very challenging. And I would watch all the videos I did like research and um, whether it was LinkedIn um, mm -hmm. tutorials or YouTube. And at the end of the day, it was like, there was like a disconnect in my brain watching it, but then doing it, it's like, I had to do it. And I had to repeatedly make mistakes. I was like, mm -hmm. It may not have looked like I was trying in class, but I was like, I really did draw that like five times and yeah. it got better, I will say by the fifth time, but I definitely feel like with the animation, it's something you can't just um, somehow quick short change yourself and get, you know, I don't know. That's for me personally. Sure. I think that it is one of those art forms where like, there's places you can take shortcuts, but they're few and far between. I will say too that, you know, you, you say that, that your stuff was, you know, this or that, but I think you, the stuff that you turned in and, and showed to class were, was really, really well done, especially for somebody who's not done animation before. Um, and I think um, Professor Silva said it uh, at one point, but Almost, almost everything I've ever turned in to a client or for class, uh, especially in animation, you can always have done something better or something could be more consistent or something could be better timed or, but I think what should be the focus, I guess, is um, does it, does it read the way it's supposed to? Mm -hmm. And, and so that's another, that's another thing too, as an animator is, uh, with any project, you have to be willing to uh, find the point where you put your pencil down and and you know move on to the next thing because uh, otherwise you'll spend your entire life on a five second <laughs> a five second thing and and that's just uh, you know that that's too much time to spend on it. Gotcha, that's true, and you probably burn out. <laughs> you just can't, because it's very intense and tedious for mm -hmm. you know the process but I wanted to ask because your projects I loved how um you would do the detailing on the inside of the people's clothing and you mm -hmm. got really good consistency to me from frame to frame because like at the end of the day when I I was always made everybody's stuff was amazing I was like I just wanted to clap and be like I felt like I was at a at a animation festival like at a premiere because right, I got right. and I was like oh my goodness I'm literally one of the first people you know, on this planet to have seen the whole entire animation and their process. Like, how do you, do, are there any tips that you could tell us about that consistent line from frame to frame? Um, the, because, uh, uh, let's see, the rotoscoping one, uh, I went a little crazy with some of the detail stuff. And so what I saw um, 
in playback for that is a lot of strobing lines. Um, so there are, there's a lot of detail, but they sort of um, pop in and out. Um, and so what I wanted to do with that second big project was try and turn that consistent. And so really it comes down to um, choosing your lines um, carefully uh, and then following through. So if you, for example, um, you know, if you have a fold in the middle of the shirt, um, you have to make sure that that fold comes from somewhere and goes somewhere else. And it's just important to remember, um, you know, to, to clock those things and to check that stuff out and, and to be deliberate about it. And I think that was the, the big pitfall I fell into with the rotoscoping one because I was fighting against um, that footage was so dim and I was uh, struggling to pick out a lot of the details. So I was making stuff up, but I wasn't being deliberate about it. And so that's really it. Anything that you commit to uh, the paper or your screen or your Wacom or whatever, you just have to make sure that you, um, you're sort of fostering it and, and everything has to have a place and a place that it ends up going. So, um, just like you would with a hand or a foot or um, any anything like that. Well, I thought your lines were really consistent to me. I was like, oh my gosh, all that detail and he had to redraw and make it move the right way with the body. And like, uh, I love your sense of humor in your animations too. I thought it was like the last one with the with the tomatoes being thrown at the guy <laughs> and the little dance. I was like, oh, these are, it's just so much fun. Um, I, like I can tell you have a very specific style of work like I was like oh I can definitely pick Rogers out of a lineup because that's very much um his uh style is there anybody as far as inspiration that you looked at I know you mentioned um earlier Terry Gilliam but like for that 2D style um that you were doing for the projects were there other animators or animators sure um I I don't know necessarily from like an actual mechanical doing it um, kind of standpoint, but I am a huge fan of Chuck Jones. Um, those, his Bugs Bunny stuff is just all time classic. Um, so Chuck Jones and um, a big fan of, um, oh, uh, Tartakovsky, who who did Samurai Jack and and um, uh, Powerpuff Girls and and those ones and and I think what I try to get from those because his his sense of like composition is just staggering, um, but I know uh, where I can't necessarily uh, compete in the design or artistic side. I like um, the consistent, um, what do you call, kind of through line between those two artists are their sense of um, strong poses and uh, timing and kind of sense of comedy. Mm -hmm. And um, being a fan of comedy, my just forever, my whole life, um, I think that that just kind of comes through um, whether I would want it to or not, because <laughs> I can't, I can't help myself most of the time. Um, so I think that that would be, those would be kind of my main inspiration. 
Cool. I'll have to, um, I, I was familiar with Chuck Jones, but I will have to check out the other um, animator you mentioned um, on their work because yeah, Chuck Jones is great. Um, and thank you so much for sending that link for the cut paper um, tutorial on the things that you mentioned. So I was curious about your cut paper process because that is very, um, I mean, from what I know, and I'm very limited with my animation, but that's a different way of working in animation. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that process? Sure. Um, that was something that I knew next to nothing about before we started that project, but it was, so it was in that same grouping, the, the 50 song memoir stuff. Um, after the initial, they did a concert and then they had a couple of months to put the rest of the video stuff together before the tour. So they hired me back to do uh, a couple of things and that was that that quotes video being one of them and the only thing that we knew was that we wanted to kind of take this um the Hieronymus Bosch uh triptych the uh oh what what's it called the in the garden uh -huh. of good and evil oh, or, yes yeah um we wanted to take that and kind of bring it to life in a certain way and we thought that the best uh option for that was to do like cut paper um and so what I'll say um, from that project is um, you definitely want to go into something like that with a plan, um, with a storyboard or with a sort of sense of what your story is. Because what we kind of did was this uh, very straightforward approach where we were like, well, what if we have this little ball who is kind of exploring these different Bosch scenes and then get sucked down into the, the hell side of things um, for the, the duration. Um, and so we were sort of working with not much of a plan uh, and, and I'm pretty happy with the way that things came out, um, but we really did learn a lot of stuff. So if you're working in paper, you wanna work bigger than you think you need to. Um, so we had a bunch of printouts that were, oh gosh, maybe like centimeters long or wide. And so trying to move things uh, subtly is really tough when it's that small. Um, so when we did our second project, which I'm unfortunately not able to share, but I can talk about when we, when we did that one, um, we cut stuff like uh, this guy, we, we had this um, man who was kind of the centerpiece of, of this video and each of his limbs, like I think his upper arm was like an inch and a half long. So we worked a lot bigger with that one and I think that was to our benefit. Um, and we used a really cool combination of um, the paper, uh, the, so we laid the paper out on a, a uh, flat green piece of paper so that we could comp everything out and kind of put things together and build uh, backgrounds digitally in After Effects, which we did not do for the first one, um, where that one we laid everything out and then placed a piece of glass over and then took a picture and then took the glass off and moved something a little bit, put it back on. So when you're working like that, you have the um, stuff can kind of shift mm -hmm. uh, and so we had that problem and had to kind of stabilize some stuff in After Effects digitally 
um, which was a nightmare. So I guess um, with any kind of paper stuff like that, you want to go in with a very clear plan. Otherwise, you're going to do a lot of work on the post-production side. And that's some things you can get away with, but it's not always, uh, you don't always have that option. So did you, when you did yours, because um, the video you sent me with Terry Gilliam, he did the sheet of glass. Did you guys put the sheet of glass on top of the- Yes, we did. Oh. I, How'd you I, cannot, I cannot remember if for the second one we did or not, but for the first one we definitely did. And the reason for that was because there were so many elements okay. where with that second piece, because our background was just a green piece of paper, I was just working and then would take a picture and then move something and take a picture like you see in, um, you know, like the uh, stop motion films, the 3D stop motion films, um, but just uh, just from above with a camera. And the, so so yeah, so the, the glass that he has is kind of his way of holding down all of the background elements and these characters and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it really helps to, keep everything sort of contained. Gotcha. Because I was wondering with the glass, because I was like imagining like, is it difficult to worry about glare? Because you still have to have some kind of lighting to light on the cut paper. And then um, I noticed every time he pulled the glass off, I was like, oh, that stuff is moving. I think I'd go bonkers. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like to make sure it's in the general same, you know, because of the nature of stop motion. So it doesn't look like things are just going like an earthquake. Flying around, right? Yeah. Right. Well, so I know um, part of the reason he used glass, now yeah. that I'm thinking about it too, was to eliminate shadows. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. So it presses everything down flat and makes sure that you don't have shadows in your um, in your frame. Uh, unless you want them there. Sometimes, sometimes there's a, a place for that. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's another tough thing. So when you pull the the paint up, mm -hmm. you have to make sure either by checking your last picture or just you know uh, keeping an eye on everything. So that that that's where things can kind of get away from you is is if you have a lot of elements in a scene, uh, something shifting okay. won't seem like that much. But when you play it back, it's you know it's having a seizure or like you said an earthquake or okay. something in the background. Gotcha. Well, I'll definitely consider that. And I'll probably, if I, you know, get to be brave enough to do cut paper, something simple, just to, you know, very simple, like maybe yeah. three things, in it and then, you know, and keep it really easy for myself. And I've seen people, they do, I watched a YouTube video, the little, like, it's like, they were kind of like, they were basically puppets. And so they did the cut paper. And then they took like the joints of where your arm, mm -hmm. your elbow would be, they use speaker wire, and then they would tie them together. So they could kind of flexibly move them like paper dolls, kind of. Sure, and so sure. I've been kind of curious about that kind of stuff, too. But yeah, I really loved your cut paper animation and how, how creative you could be with it. It was so like, the Terry Gilliam video you said, they're just like, you know, they're simple things, but when you watch it in an animation, it's just so cool. You're like, oh, that was a really simple way to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, but it looks so neat. <laughs> I go like, yeah. oh, I, there's something I think with um, paper, paper and um, stop motion in particular that 
I think part of the charm or the appeal of it is that even understanding how film works and understanding, you know, that somebody is moving stuff a little at a time, that there's still something so magical about uh, those kinds of things and how there's no reason that these things should be able to move around like they are. And they're not, but we, we allow our, it, it's a chance for us to allow ourselves to not worry about it. And it's, and that, I think that's part of the appeal of it. Um, but it's very, very hard to do. <laughs> it's tedious, but I, I think that it is um, ultimately worthwhile because it's such a cool, it's such a cool effect. Well, I, you're giving me courage, and um, so I'll, I'll, I'll maybe try to delve into that further. So thank you so much for sharing that information. Of course, and I'm happy to talk more specific, you know, kind of nuts and bolts stuff if you decide to do that. But I, you know, if you're interested, I would say start um, with a test and, okay. and kind of figure out what your setup is, okay. um, you know, just like you, you did for the animation in this class um, that we took is, is just to find a two or three second thing, um, whether it's a guy waving or, you know, cut out pictures from a magazine and it's, you make them walk across the screen or, you know, whatever it is, just to, just to kind of play and experiment with what kind of setup works well for you. Nice. So after you're finished with your degree at SCAD, what do you plan to do? Oh, that's a great question. I think that my plan is to try and uh, work in one of these animation studios, um, particularly Atlanta, or I know that there's an um, animation scene in Vancouver and I'm interested in, in that or checking out, you know, I've never been to Canada, so <laughs> it can be interesting to check out, but I would love to get in um, and, and that kind of covers anything from like, storyboarding to keyframe animation to um, anything like that. I, I'm trying to get better at environments. Um, it's not my forte at this point, but uh, any, yeah, really trying to get involved in any kind of, uh, and I guess what, what would be traditionally like television animation though with the kind of advent and rise of like Netflix and Disney Plus and all of these things, it's not really the same thing in, in certain ways. Um, but I know that there's kind of this uh, boom in 2D animation that's kind of come because of renewed interest. And, um, you know, it's this thing where anybody can really be a studio from their home office. And uh, so I, Maybe, maybe ideally, ideally, I would find somebody who can uh, finance me doing short animated films, but that's a, you know, <laughs> that's a long shot. So still, you never know. I'm you never know. Face. Like, uh, because like people I've met through uh, school or whatever, and um, just you know, working hard, but also like, you know, their personality and how um, they're enjoyable to work with, you know, they mm -hmm. get opportunities, you know, they just, you never know. So I wouldn't be surprised if I saw, uh, you know, that's the thing, you know, I always say like, oh, five years from now, you know, I might be looking back at this interview and be like, 
oh, Roger's doing this and this. I mean, he's already doing all this stuff. And I go like, oh my gosh, what is he going to do in five years from now? You know? So I think it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm just along for the ride, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so if you could go back in time to your younger self and give yourself some advice about being an animator, what would that be? I think um, I would, hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's tricky, right? Because I don't know if I were to change trajectory, like if before I started my theater degree, I was able to go back and stop myself and say, no, 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 pick up a, pick up a Wacom and do some digital illustration. Start now because this is what you're going to want to do. Um, I don't know if that would put me on the same kind of, kind of path. Um, just having been in theater and having that experience, um, uh, particularly I think with being able to take uh, the acting or the background in that and apply it to character animation. Um, but I guess what I would tell myself is to, to that kid who would go into the art supply store and buy pens and inks and Bristol board and then not use them, to just use them because uh, it's only going to help you uh, down the road. <laughs> so now we've got two last questions. Um, mm -hmm. You finished creating all the animations you wanted and at the end of your life, you could only leave behind three final truths. What would they be? Hmm. That <laughs> you leave the you leave the philosophical questions right to the end. Um, Just I think what I would like to leave behind is this idea that. it can be fulfilling to make cool stuff with your friends, um, which is where I've gotten um, thus far. And it's my favorite thing to do. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily would come through out of my work specifically, but anybody who has worked with me or, or will work with me in the future, um, that would be, I think the biggest one is, is don't stress out about wanting to do cool stuff with your friends. Um, and then beyond that, I had this thought thinking about this question. Um, we, we were at Target and we looked over at where the, the Pokemon cards are. And it just struck me that they've been in the same place in every Walmart and Target since 1994 or whenever you know Pokemon started and I thought it would be very cool just to have one thing or anything that has the amount of cultural cachet to have the same place in a department store in 20 years um, so that's I don't know I don't know if that counts as the truth but uh, that would be neat to see <laughs> 
I have enjoyed speaking with you, Roger. You are really uh, fascinating to speak to and your work is great. And I know people are going to want to see the work. Um, where can they um, see the uh, animations and your visuals? Sure, and uh, thanks again for having me. This, is, um, this has been great. This has been super fun. Um, the best place to look is probably for the work stuff that we've been talking about would probably be my website, which is redgarhoover.com. And like I said, I'm a little outdated. I need to um, update some stuff, um, but you can find my 8-bit big band stuff there. You can find some of the, some of the stuff we did for Be More Chill there and the magnetic field stuff is all there too. As long with, um, excuse me, as long as, uh, as far as, blue, whoa. Also, there's some stuff that I worked on on other side gigs and things like that. Um, and then beyond that, probably my Instagram, which is just r underscore Edgar underscore Hoover. Cool. Very nice. Well, um, thank you, Roger. And everybody, thanks for listening to My Creative Life. Thank you for having me.